Turn, please, in the scriptures to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 2 Corinthians 6. A few weeks ago, we began on a, um, a series that we're calling Separated, and it's based on this passage here and, and others. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, 614 says, be ye not, we might, might say don't be, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? That's a question. The implied answer is none. What communion has light with darkness? None. What concord has Christ with Belial? None. What part has he that believes with an infidel? None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None, 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 none is what he, and he keeps, he uses the word, you know, agreement and communion, concord, fellowship, and these are similar ideas. What, what do we have in common, he's saying? Now, uh, the enemy, there, there is a devil. If you believe the Bible, you have to believe there's a devil. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 reveals that he is the God of this world. And um, that gives you a lot of insight into understanding that God, our Father, is not controlling everything down here on the planet. And you wouldn't have to be too aware to realize that. Look at all the chaos, all the cruelty. All the devastation and destruction. Is that our good Father God? Is that His will? Is that His plan? And the, the truth is no. That's not Him. That's not His will. That's not His plan. And yet you hear people adamant about God is in control. He's controlling everything. Well, there's a truth there, but it implies something that is not true. He's not controlling what everybody does. He has a plan. And ultimately, that plan is going to happen. Hallelujah. With you or without you. That's the part many have not understood. He wants you to be a part, but he's not going to force you to be a part. And even if he had planned some things for you to be a part of and you to do, you don't have to do it, not in your whole lifetime. And if he has to, he'll use somebody else. His plan will be done. The question is, will you be a part? Will I be a part? How about you? How about you? Have, have you made up your mind? I'm a part. I'm going to be a part. Right? Why? Because I'm going to agree with him. I'm not going to rebel against him. I'm going to agree with him, listen to him, follow him to the best of my understanding. If I make a mistake, I'll repent. He'll forgive me. I won't quit following him, though. And because of that, the scripture said he always causes us to triumph. But 
the enemy's subtle and he, he talks about why can't we all just get along? <laughs> you know? Why can't we all just get along? And of course, that, that sounds good. Why don't we just love each other and accept each other? Well, now what does that mean? And why don't we just embrace everybody? Well, what about all the people that don't believe in God? Well, we, we need to respect their belief. Said who? <laughs> now, we don't need to try to force them to believe what we believe, but we don't have to conform our beliefs to their non-belief. And yet, people who demand that we be tolerant are actually very intolerant of us. <laughs> it's only their version of tolerance. <laughs> Have you noticed this? <laughs> That's not practicing what you preach. <laughs> keep, keep reading this passage. He said, uh, don't, don't be, one translation says, don't keep forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. He said that you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them, I'll walk in them, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Keep going. Wherefore, come out from among them. Them who? Come out from among them. Well, you've got to go back up to the top of the list, right? Well, you, you can just back your way up. Infidels, that's people who, who don't believe. And folk, people try to say, well, you know, it's okay. I don't, I, I don't believe in God. But, you know, people basically want to say, but I'm a good person without that. I'm a good person without, they'd say, religion. They're saying they're good without God. They're acceptable. They're fine without Him. And the Bible says that's not true. Nobody's fine without Jesus. Come out from among them. Back up to verse 16. Let's see who them is. Idols. Verse 15, keep going. The devil, come out from among anything that's his. Infidel, unbelief, verse 14. The darkness, the unrighteousness, and unbelievers. Now, unrighteousness, don't let that word throw you. That's a King James word. And we don't use the, the endings of that word. But if you take off all of the end, it just means unright unright if you don't believe in God and when I say God I mean the only God there's only one if you don't believe in him and his word then to you there is no right or wrong or truth you might say, well, certainly there is. According to who? 
Do you see what I'm saying? And that's why you hear terms like my truth and your truth, which is a despicable term. Well, you need, you need to stay true to your truth, and you need to speak your truth. That's a stupid term. Whoa, Brother Keith, you heard me. Why? It implies truth is whatever I say it is. And that's a stupid thing to believe. That's, that's the same thing as believing there is no God. There is no God, there is no absolute truth, there is no absolute right or wrong. And this is the big issue in the ungodly world. Because the push is that everything's okay, everything's relative, every person can say what's right for them. My truth, your truth, but that's not what the Bible says. Now you can believe that if you want to. You can believe anything you want to believe. It doesn't have to be true. But life is very, very short. And when you leave here, you'll get a revelation. All the conjecture, all the theories are going to be out the window. And according to the Bible, there will come a time when all of us will stand before him. And give an account of what we did in the flesh. And the only ones that will be saved. Are those that believed on him. And bowed their knee to him. And received Jesus. The one and only. Savior. Redeemer. Now people will say well that's, that's, that's very very narrow minded preacher. Uh, you know there are billions of people. That have their own religions. And they have a right to believe that. They don't really have a right to believe it. They have the freedom to believe it. But they are created of the same one God. They don't have a right to worship idols. But they can if they want to. But it will be to their destruction. If you believe the Bible. I said if you believe the Bible. Now you can believe something else. But if you believe the Bible, there is one true living God. Hallelujah. There is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Who paid the price and redeemed us. And he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man, he said comes to the Father except by me. He said, if you don't believe I am the one, you will die in your sins. Jesus said that. He is the one. Oh, do you believe it, saints? He's the one. The only one. Go with me back to uh, the Old Testament for a little bit. The prophets, actually, I'm, I'm talking about. And uh, let's look at something. Just, just remind ourselves of something. Thanks be to God. Isaiah 45. 
thought I had it in my notes, but I didn't. But the Holy Ghost helped me find it just that fast. Glory to God. Do, do you know we need help? Did you know we have help? Praise God. Oh yeah, you need help. And when you get help, you don't need to take credit for it. You know, don't, don't attribute it to your amazing memory or your super intelligence. Or just be honest and say, yeah, I got help. He, the Lord helped me. The Spirit of God helped me. In Isaiah 45, verse 5, he says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Is that true or not? And I mean, there are, there are whole chapters here that, that talk about this. He said, I am the Lord, and there's none else. In one of the chapters here, he basically mocks idolaters. He says, he said, you take a block of wood from a tree, and you shape it. And with part of the wood, you make a fire and cook your meal. And then with the other part of the wood, you fall down and worship it and say, this is your God. That's why I used the word stupid a while ago. Now you're laughing. But there are millions and millions of people on this planet doing that. Doing that. And one thing... You know, I was seeing some people the other day on a, um, a vacation history type thing, vacation travel type thing. They were showing these people going to these different temples and taking off their shoes and, and going in and, and getting water sprinkled on them and, and uh, going through the ceremony. And they're supposed to be Christians because they, they're appreciating these people's culture. You should not be a part of any type of worship of any type false God. Which ones are false? Which ones are real? There's only one. There's only one. True God. Do you believe the Bible? What did the Lord say about it? He said, I am the Lord, and there's what? Not many others? It's a short list. What? There's what? There's what? How many? None else. There is no God beside me. Well, what about all the billions of people that worship all these other things? They are sadly deceived, deluded. Just because something's passed down from generation to generation and has been around for hundreds of years or even thousands of years doesn't make it right. If it was wrong a thousand years ago, it's still wrong. It's just old and wrong. There's no God beside me. Come on, say it out loud if you believe the Bible. He is the Lord. There's none else. There is no God beside him. There's none. You should not be. You, you don't want to go. You should not go. 
to these places where they worshipped false gods and goddesses and go through there. And you, you don't even want to be in those places. You certainly don't want to show respect and deference and pull off your shoes and bow your head and give them money and ask for their blessing. Who's blessing you? With what? No, child of God. No. Same thing is true with uh, palm readers, fortune tellers, spiritists. You know, there was a king who uh, sent to a false god because he got sick to inquire whether he would uh, recover or not. And the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, you go tell him. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you went to inquire of this? And he said, the message is you won't get better. Why would we who have the one true living God dare call a psychic hotline? What you're doing is if you do it, you open yourself up. You're basically saying, come on in, enemy, and deceive me. Yes. Come on in and, and trick me and deceive me. Because there are some spiritual things that are real that are not God. But we, we got into that, uh, was it last week, where we saw that uh, he said uh, the things that they were involved in with idolatry, they're not gods, but he said they're demons. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons and fellowship with God. We're still talking about separation. Yes. Yes. Can you see this? Yes. The, the enemy will try to tell you everything's okay. You just need to embrace it all and be widely read and widely traveled and have a diverse experience. And appreciate everybody's beliefs and everybody's lifestyle. And you just need to be kind. You do need to be kind. You don't need to embrace lies. No. But you see how the enemy tries to weave it together. Well, you need to be kind. You do need to be kind. You need to love people. You do need to love people. So you need to embrace right there. No. No. That's where I'm not going with you. <laughs> the enemy is using compassion to camouflage compromise. That if you care about people, then you accept anything that has to do with them to show that you care about them. I can love you and hate your junk. One of the reasons I would hate it is because of what it's doing to you. It's stealing from you. It's destroying you if you're believing lies. No. We are, the Bible tells us there are things we are to hate. Not people, but we're to hate lies. We're to hate things that still kill and destroy. Well, if you care about people, how could you love things that destroy them? The two go together. 
So no, I don't have to love what's hurting you. No matter how confused you are about it, in order to love you. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy 3, and then I think we'll go to John 7. Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> Let's talk about that some more. Why can't we all just love each other? People say, well, that's a good question. Well, now some people, their solution is to get rid of all religion. They think that's what's ultimately going to fix it. If we could just get everybody educated and become intelligent and lose the crutches of religion, then we wouldn't be fighting over religion. Well, that's a belief that there's no God. That God doesn't exist. In fact, since I said it like that, hold your, hold your place there in John 7. Put on the screen for us, please, Psalm 14.1. A lot of these things I've never taught before just like this. So I'm having to go a little bit more slowly. And of course, if you hadn't heard it, you're not hearing it very fast either. <laughs> that affects how quickly we go too. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. You ever heard people say that? There is no God. What do we know about them? The Bible said, they're fools. Now that's not just trying to slander or call somebody a name. That is their state. Even though they might consider themselves very intelligent, truth is, they're being fooled. They're being fooled. And what is deception? Deception means you believe a lie is true. If you knew it wasn't true, you wouldn't be deceived. The fool has said there's no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. There's none that does good. Keep reading. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They're all going aside. They're all together become filthy. Now can you see where he said, touch not the unclean thing in our, in our text passage. And this is where it goes. If there's no God, there's no truth. It's just whatever you think. And there's no true right and wrong. And he says, well, there are laws. Yeah, but the laws can be changed. And as society degrades, the laws do change. They do away with laws that used to help define right and wrong. Can you see this? So no, if there's no God, there's no truth. And he says, well, this, we hold this to be true. Who, who's we? Who came up with it? How long will that last? It's not whatever you say is truth. It's not whatever I say is truth. You've got the truth. And it's true whether you believe it or not. And you've got right and you've got wrong. And it's right whether you think it is or not. Or it's wrong whether you think it is or not. Because there is a God. And there is truth. 
And there is right and wrong. Well, the world is ungodly, that means without God, no God, and unrighteous, that means no right. And also we'll see that the, the, the world is endeavoring to suppress the truth. I'm quoting scripture from Romans. To suppress the truth. They're going aside. They're all together become filthy. There's none that does good. No, not one. And that is, that's those who say there is no God. Who say they are good and okay without God. That's not true at all. You degenerate. Everything becomes okay. I mean, you see a lot of people that lying is not a problem for them. Why? Well, if there's no God... What does the commandment thou shalt not lie mean to you? You see what I'm saying? And there's no right. There's no wrong. There's no truth. There's no standard. Aren't you glad you're not a fool? There is a God. There is the one. True God. Go go to Romans 1. Added one to you, didn't I? Well, one of the reasons I, I, we do it like this is because we keep it close to the Word and you, you understand it's not my opinion. It's not just what I think or what somebody else said. This is the thing that distinguishes us above other things is our, our attachment to the Word. In Romans 1... Verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the uh, gospel of Christ. The good news, it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. If you don't believe, it won't be revealed to you. You won't be able to see it nor understand it. But as you continue to grow in your faith, you understand more. It's revealed how? From faith, one level of faith, to another level of faith. I mean, anybody that looks at this book and goes, oh, that's just a bunch of writings of men and all that kind of stuff. Well, to them, I don't care if they say their IQ is off the chart. They will not be able to understand this book. They will not be able to see the great amazing truth that is on every page. But if you'd never been to school a day in your life and, and, and didn't know how to write or, or even spell your name, but it, somebody had to read this to you. If you believed it by faith before you ever started hearing it, light will come to you. You'll understand things that so-called geniuses can't perceive. God has ordained it be that way. He can if he wants to. He says, uh, you know, you don't believe in me? Fine. You don't get to see anything. Yeah. Well, why should he? Why should he? But if you believe in him, oh, the treasures. Oh, somebody say the treasures, the treasures, 
the treasures. He goes on to say, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the Lord showed me something uh, just last night on this I hadn't seen before. Put, put the Amplified up on that, please. Amplified of verse 18. The wrath is revealed against all what? Ungodliness and what? Unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness, actually that word could also be unrighteousness. They do what? They repress and hinder the truth. Suppress is used in numerous other translations. Suppress. Is the word I should have used. Suppress. People who don't believe in God, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear absolute right and wrong. Well, and if we don't agree with their point of view, it's going to cause problems between us and them. I'm answering the question. Why can't we all just get along? There are reasons why. And it will not be fixed in this time. The Lord's going to come back and fix everything. Praise God, praise God. It's going to take some mighty manifestations of power to get it fixed. Beyond what any handful of us could do. But what are we to do right now? We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be different than the unright, ungodly, no truth, no God. The, the unrighteous, the ungodly seek to suppress the truth, suppress it. In, uh, you were holding your place in John 7? Go back there, please. John 7, we get the answer. Now, you know, this is really big stuff because I'm about to read you the answer to that question. Why can't we all just get along? Do you know how far people have traveled and sought wisdom and meditated to try to find these kind of answers? It's right here. I'm not exaggerating. It's right here. Why can't we all just get along? Here you go. John 7, verse 1, Jesus would not walk among the Jews because they were seeking to kill him. wonder why they weren't all just getting along. I mean, Jesus is there, right? Verse 3, his brethren. Now, this is Jesus blood relatives. The uh, boys and men that he grew up in the home with, with Joseph and Mary. That kind of brother. They said, why don't you uh, get on out of here and go to Judea so your disciples can see the works that you do? Because there's nobody that does anything secret when he himself seeks to be known openly. If, If you do all these things, show yourself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. They grew up with him. 
And they, they knew who he was and what he was. They, they never saw him sinning. They never saw him doing ungodly stuff. They never heard him tell a lie. And yet, they don't believe in him. Seeing is not believing. Believing is a choice. You can have face, excuse me, truth three inches from your face and choose not to believe it. His brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus said to him, well, my time's not yet come, but your time's always ready. <laughs> That's along some of the same line we looked at in the offering. Some things are available whenever you get ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates. Why? Why? Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. This is why they hated him. And he said if they hated me, they'll hate you. Why? Because he would not agree with them that their bad stuff was okay. And that's resulted in them hating him. This is why we'll not be able to all get along. Because their solution, the ungodly solution, is for us to quit being sticky about right and wrong. To quit being hardline about that there's only one God. Come on. Quit being hardline about what's right and what's wrong. Everything's relative. Everything's up to you. You got to go with your own truth. And the moment you say, no, <laughs> now there's an issue. Can you see that? If you say, no, now look, you know, I'm not trying to push anything off on you, but I'm not going to let you push it off on me. You can believe what you want to. But I believe this. This. I believe this. I believe it. Completely. If it says something's wrong, it don't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what portion of the population is doing about it. If it says it's right, it's right. If it says it's wrong, it's wrong. If it says this is true, it's true. If it says this is a lie, it's a lie. And, and this is the big issue that, that we're faced with. Do we have a right to believe this Bible? Thank God. In this country, we still do. Pretty much. <laughs> you, know, you, you laugh. Why? Because there's certain passages of Scripture... If you preach from them directly, they'll want to take you off of TV. For instance, in Canada, already, there are certain passages, if, if you just read them and comment on them and say they're true, I'm talking about New Testament passages, they will take you off the airwaves. Why? Because it doesn't agree with current mentality about what's okay. What's true, what's not true, what's right, what's wrong. And what we want to do is to not get caught into the fussing and arguing 
of what you think and what I think. The first faith message I ever preached was in the little church that we grew up in. Phyllis is smiling already. (laughs) She and I had gotten a hold of some good tapes, and they were tapes, on being redeemed from the curse of the law. Ooh, I got excited about it. She got excited about it. Redeemed from the curse of the law. And including in that is redeemed from poverty, redeemed from sickness, right? Redeemed from mental anguish and torment. I mean, there's so much things you've been, so many things you've been redeemed from. Well, a week or so after we got a hold of this teaching, the pastor of the little church where we went, little denominational church, asked if I'd be available to speak on Wednesday nights. I had never done that. And I thought, well, this is God. Right? I mean, we, we, we get this message, we get this revelation, and now would you come share? Yeah. Yeah, this. Now, what are you laughing about? And I wasn't a preacher. I had no experience. I mean, I'm having to use the concordance to find every scripture and find where it's at. And so anyway, I studied the best I knew how. I got up. I began to, I read Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he's made a curse for us. I went back to Deuteronomy 28, and I'm about, I don't know, 10 minutes into the message, maybe, and I started talking about how we've been redeemed from uh, sickness, and um, the pastor stood up, and he said, Keith, because they all knew me, we're a little, little church, little community, we're you know, half of us, I shouldn't say half, part of us are related. He said, Keith, are you saying we don't have to be sick? I said, yeah. <laughs> and he just shook his head. He said, mm, mm, mm. And so he began to explain how God puts sickness on people to teach them things. And then one of the deacons got up and testified about how God took one of his relatives with disease. Then another one got up and testified about how God took one of their children and took one of theirs through disease and through this and through the other. And I'm done. I'm done. This is my first preaching experience. So... We fumbled to, you know, I I didn't even say anything after that. We just got our stuff and went back and sat down. And they finished testifying about how God had done all these bad things to teach you things and and ended the service and we went home. So I'm laying in the bed trying to go to sleep. But boy, this keeps going, you know, keeps going through my mind. And and so I, I said, Lord, that didn't go too well. Did, did I do something wrong? What, what did I do? And uh, as soon as I said it, that, that conversation came right back to my mind when, uh, well, I'm, let, let me not get out of sequence here. He said, well, Keith, first of all, they needed about a half a teaspoon of faith and healing. 
and you're trying to give them a dump truckload. You're trying to give them everything you ever heard, everything you know. I thought, oh, okay. Half teaspoon. But the Bible talks about babes, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I said, okay. And then he brought to my remembrance when the pastor stood up and said, uh, Keith, are you saying we don't have to be sick? I said, yeah. And the Lord said, wrong. You didn't say that. I did. Now, there's a reason why I'm, I'm taking the time to tell you this. This applies to you directly, personally. This is so important that you get this. He said, Keith, they didn't have any problem arguing with you. Arguing with me is another thing. He said, never again take credit for my word, for what I said. Always clarify it. What should I have said? Well, first of all, I should have given them a half of a teaspoon. Right? <laughs> but apart from that, and maybe we wouldn't have got to the part where the pastor got up and said this, but once this has happened, are you saying we don't have to be sick? Tell me the correct answer. Tell me the correct answer. Galatians 3.13. Are y'all with me or not? Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Leviticus and Deuteronomy say that sickness is part of the curse of the law. Are you saying Galatians and Deuteronomy? Come on, are with me? Are you saying... Anytime it becomes an issue, don't let people make it a you and them issue. Make it a truth issue, a word issue. And if you don't know what the word says about it, you don't need to say much till you find out. Because this wrangling about what you think and what they think and what you believe and what they believe, you can believe all kind of stuff that makes no difference. It's not based on anything. And so whatever issues come up nowadays, is this right or is this wrong? What's the answer? Help me out. Well, what do y'all believe? What does your preacher preach? Don't get on that. What, what does your group believe? No. What do you believe? Well, Galatians, Ephesians, right? Matthew. Come on y'all with me. First Corinthians. And if it becomes an issue, get yourself in the book, be able to put your finger on it, right? Make sure you understand it, not just in a half a verse, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so then it becomes clear if people have an issue with it, it's not an issue with you. They want to make it an issue with you, but it's not an issue with you. You didn't write this. It's an issue with him. And if they don't want to hear what he's got to say, and they won't accept what the Word says, well, they probably won't listen to you either. <laughs> but at least we know what's going on. <laughs> Whew. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
What will happen about the truth? If you get a hold of the truth and you know the truth and you believe the truth and receive the truth and walk in the truth, the truth will make you free. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and maybe we'll close with this. We'll see. You know, we quote sometimes from Joshua where it says, uh, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But, you know, what he was saying, what he started out by saying was, if the Lord is God, then serve him. But if these gods of Egypt, you know, kind of like what happened with Elijah, do you need to choose? You do. You do need to choose. These idols are not gods. These other gods are not gods. And watch out about people saying, well, it's just God by another name. It is not. It is not. And, and you know, if somebody tries to relegate Jesus as just another prophet, an, another, you know, an, an important sage or, or teacher, no, no, no. He is the, the only Savior. Hallelujah. Then uh, he said, if, if put those gods away and serve the Lord. Choose you this day who you will serve. He went on to say, you can't serve the Lord and serve them. He's a jealous God. So put away the strange gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord. Do you have to pick? You do. People say, well, that's not being inclusive. Well, you've got truth and you've got lies. You've got reality and, and fantasy. What, what verse are you holding there? 2 Timothy 2.18. Let's read verse 17. He said, these individuals' word will eat like a cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now back there, there were people that started preaching that the resurrection had already happened. It wasn't true. And verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are his. He knows who believes in him and who doesn't. He knows who's committed to him and who's not. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Keep reading. In a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore do what? Purge himself from these. Does that sound similar to what we read in our text? Separate yourself. Purge yourself from what's ungodly, not like God, what is not right, what is not truth. Purge yourself from these You'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, 
That word sanctified means set apart. And meat for the master's use. Prepared to every good work. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. And thank you Lord for reminding me of that verse. I was about to let it go. Back to John. Back to John. Along what lines are we separated? We're not trying to separate ourselves from anybody based on culture or economy or education or any of those things. What, what is it we can't just embrace and be a part of? In uh, John 17, 14. Jesus said, I have given them your word. And the world has what? Hated them. Now why did Jesus specifically say the world hated him? Because he testified of it that its works were bad and evil. He wouldn't say what they're doing is all right. I mean, you remember when he came into the temple, he said, you, you've, you've turned his house into a den of thieves supposed to be a house of prayer they they were just make they turned it into complete money stuff and they were yelling and they were bartering and they were uh, there was currency exchange and bartering and trading and the Lord came, he'd seen it before but on this particular day it just went all over him and he just grabbed the tables and flung them and the money went everywhere and he, he, he ran off the, uh, the doves and the oxen and just cleared the place. Well, you're talking about making them mad. Oh, it made them mad. Why? Because what's he said? He won't say this is okay. He's saying this is not okay. This is not okay. And when you do that, the world will label you intolerant and a hater. And if you say anything except that you agree with all of it, then you're talking hate speech. You're not inclusive. But it's the, the reason you say it's not okay is because you care about people. Come on, can you see this? And whether they see it or not, you see what it's doing to them. The Lord's enlightened you to see that it's robbing and stealing and destroying. He said, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. How about that? Come on, say it out loud. I'm not of the world. I'm here, but I'm not of here. Verse 15, he said, I don't... I, I, Pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. Amen. We got to be here for a little while, but we don't have to be entangled with the evil. Right. We don't have to be a part of it or it be a part of us. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, he says it again. Come on, sit out loud again. I'm not of the world, I'm not of the world. even as he is not of the world. Even what, what is the world? The world is ungodly, unright, untruth. 
And verse 17, here is the phrase. Sanctify them. He's praying to the Father. Sanctify, what does that mean? It means to separate, to set apart, to make clean, to make holy. Does this sound like our text? Separate yourselves from what? And this is the means by which we are sanctified and separated. Sanctify them through what? Through your truth. Your word is truth. This is the line that we separate by. There's no separation based on background, culture, age, money, none of that. But what is, where do we draw the line? On the truth, right? We don't care who you are, where you're from. If you start compromising the truth, we ain't going with you. You're like, no, no, it is written. So no, I can't agree with that. And we need to be definite. We need to be confident and definite in about what the truth is. No ambiguity. No wavering and wandering and vacillating. No your truth, my truth. The truth. Sanctify them through your truth, God's truth. Your word is truth. Say it out loud. His word word is is truth. As you've sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. This is what makes us different. Yes, it's by the love command. Actually, us loving each other that all men will know that we are his disciples. But how do people know there's any difference between us And those that don't even believe in God. It's the truth. Of the scriptures. This is the thing that changed Phyllis in my life. So radically. Some 40 whatever years ago. She grew up in one particular form of Christianity. I grew up in another form of Christianity. But there was a lot of tradition. On both sides. And when we heard. Through the ministry of Brother Hagin. Kenneth Hagin and others that were influenced by him, he kept bringing everything back to the Word. He, he, he brought everything back to everything back to the Word, and we begin to see, now hold on, it doesn't matter about our traditions or about this group or that group. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean they're true. The Word became our standard. Hallelujah. And we begin to examine everything we thought, everything we believed, everything by it is written. Hallelujah. And found that that's what the Holy Spirit himself uses. He's the author of this. Right? And that's what he uses to help you to relate, to help you to understand, to help you to associate and define what is true 
what is not true. What is God, what is not God. What is right, what is not right. Come on, can you see this? And when we hold to that standard, it'll change your life. It'll make the world around you mad. Because you won't compromise the truth. Said out loud, I am not of the world. And I am separated by the truth. His word is truth. And I am sanctified by the truth. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.